Listeners, to this week's edition of the Moving Pictures Podcast. I am uh, the host for this week, Chris Tognati. I am about to announce the film for this week. Everyone excited? Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, well, this week we will be watching the Sam Peckinpah classic, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo yes! Garcia. Oh. I've always wanted to see this one. Yeah. I read no less than three different reviews on the internet last night. Call it one of the grimiest movies ever made. So, you all have that to look forward to. <laughs> what does that mean? Is there grime on the lens? <laughs> Just sort of a dirty feel. I actually have seen this movie before. I have not seen it in several years, though. I'm, I'm guessing just as much as any of you. <laughs> Alright, yeah, I've seen it before and I'm a, I'm a big fan. This is Alfredo Garcia. He's about to become a very important man. We are looking for an old buddy of ours. A compadre named Alfredo Garcia. A private army is scouring three countries to find Alfredo Garcia. Someone has offered a million dollars for his head. This man will become an animal. This woman's dreams of love will be destroyed. Innocent people will suffer. Holy ground will be desecrated. You don't want me to be part of that, do you? Twenty-five people will die. Just being together is enough. No, it's not, baby. Sam Peckinpah, director of the greatest adventure films of our time, has made possibly his most powerful and startling motion picture. Bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. Welcome back. We have just returned from watching Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia. A rip-roaring good time, perhaps some of you will believe. Some of you may feel otherwise. I am here with Brian. Hello. Connor. Hey. Katie. Hello. Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen. And Sean. Hello. Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia is a film by Sam Peckinpah, renowned for his, at times, deliberately unpleasant style of filmmaking. It's about a man who, for reasons initially unbeknownst to him, is on a quest to find the corpse of his dead friend and cut off his head to be awarded a cash prize for it. So, starting things off, Brian, what did you uh, think of Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia? It's a great movie. I was really happy to see it again. I liked it the first time I saw it. Liked it a lot more seeing it through. It's really a gritty, disgusting type of movie that if you like, you love. And if you don't like, then you don't love. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, Connor? I didn't like it. I didn't like how scatterbrained it was. It wasn't very focused. It took a. It was very slow. It took a long time to develop. Characters in general didn't take this situation as seriously as I thought they should. The acting overall was pretty good, though, and not as good as I would have expected from a movie at this time. Alright, Katie? Not really a fan. I agree with Connor. It, it took a while for me to kind of find the through line to the movie. Uh... I got it for the most part, but it just didn't really seem to connect very well. Alright, Kevin? I, I enjoyed it overall. There was a lot of things in it that felt digressive, and some of them were interesting, and some of them were less interesting and less appealing to me. But overall, as a movie, I definitely was intrigued, and I think I enjoyed it. I, 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 uh, I definitely didn't, didn't think it was boring, but I wasn't 100% with it at all times either. 
Alright, Sean? Yeah, I don't know how, how I feel quite about this movie. I think I'd ultimately say that it was just sort of okay. The main character is kind of interesting in a way in, in how slouchy and, like, sleazy he is. But his quest of, of finding the head in conjunction with this character is kind of appealing for a while. That character's chemistry with the girl that he meets up with is kind of interesting for a while, too. But that all wears pretty thin as the movie is kind of meanders past its sort of expiration date, I guess. And then it picks up again later after he sort of goes mad a little bit and he goes on this rampage with the head. And it gets more interesting then, but there's a good chunk of the middle where I was sort of looking at my watch, if I had a watch. All right. I, Chris Tognati. I was very pleased to watch this movie again, having seen it years ago. It affirmed my enjoyment of it. I liked it a, a very great deal. I like that it really is sort of a story of very desperate people who seem like they don't really have anything that they feel like they have left to lose. And it ultimately successfully becomes sort of like a buddy action flick between this really sleazy, dirty, filthy man and a severed head. Yes. And that is uh, that is something that I don't think any other movie can quite match. <laughs> you ain't interested in money, aren't you? Money you can spend. Yes, sir. Indirectly. I mean, there are other things like I'd like to stay alive. How much is it worth to you? We can go 5000 10000 I go all the way or I pass. I gather by that you mean dead. That's right. That's what I got in mind. All that we require from you is physical proof that Garcia is dead. And we're prepared to settle for his head. Yeah, but the uh, head must match the picture. It's a deal. Hello. Welcome to Connor's Questions. This is some hard-hitting reporting with me, Connor Houghton. Katie. Sam Peckinpah is directing a new movie. Would you star in this movie as the female protagonist? Not at all. I would be afraid to be attempted or actually raped. It's the movie, though. <laughs> Kevin, if I paid you $10,000 to sever the head of a corpse, would you do it? Yeah, I, I have no issue with that. I have no issue with that. <laughs> Chris, if I paid you $1 million to fly aboard an airplane with a severed head, would you? If I, if I could come up with a really good idea as to how to do it, then yes. Brian, of all the shitty cars in this movie, which was your favorite <laughs> shitty car? <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I, I definitely have to go with the protagonist's shitty car, the red one. Sean, what would your price be to sever the head of Alfredo Garcia? Off his live body or his dead one? His dead body. A double cheeseburger. <laughs> um, 50,000 bucks. This has been some hard-hitting <laughs> questions with me, Connor Houghton. So, this movie, in terms of its structure, sort of has, uh, I feel like it almost has two distinct acts with a big sort of dividing line between them. How did you all feel about sort of the beginning period that focuses more on the burgeoning caper and the romance? It's funny, the first time I saw the movie, I only got 40 minutes into it, to that scene where they're sort of playing footsie by the tree, you know, they're just sort of, it's just so romantic, and it's like, this movie's really boring, and I actually ended up turning it off, and I didn't get back to it until many weeks later, and then Sure enough, in the next, like, five minutes after that is where the, the, the movie takes that really steep turn and, and just keeps on tumbling forward and forward. Um, I thought the beginning part was really slow. Like you said, 40 minutes into it, you thought that the movie was boring. 40 minutes is quite a long time for a movie not to really pick up. I didn't really, uh... 
get the whole connection between them at the beginning. I thought that their romance was a little bit, you know, their romance is introduced to you when he accuses her of being a two-timing bitch, basically. <laughs> and uh, from there, I just, I really didn't know what to think because they, they talk about how she was with this other guy for three days and that seems to just kind of go by the wayside after that night. And then it's all picnics and just seemed very disconnected for me. You're certainly right. It is a movie that sort of asks you to believe in the relationships of those two characters as opposed to really showing it building. I feel like most people are going to say the movie is far too slow in the beginning. And I agree that it is somewhat slow, but I didn't have any sort of negative reaction to that. I felt very similar to how I felt about 13 Assassins, where I feel like the slow build of him, this really sleazy, unpleasant guy being charmed by his girlfriend on the course of this insane journey, I feel like all that is prelude to the action team of him and the head is, uh, <laughs> is entirely worthy. Calling them a team. Yeah. <laughs> It's not a, a buddy comedy. They it is. It's totally a team. It is absolutely a buddy comedy. It is about an insane man and his imaginary friends who used to be alive. Uh, I'd say uh, for me, it's slow in the beginning, but that's fine for me. That, that that works because of where it goes. To me, it's a big payoff because you get this this absurd sort of third act that I've never ever seen in a movie before. It feels like a big payoff for a slow burn. I actually didn't think that he was totally insane. I kind of liked that and that he had gone insane, but he was still sort of doing certain practical things. He didn't just lose it and then just go on a suicidal killing spree immediately. He did sort of want to figure out what it had all been about. And I really, really didn't feel like the, the pace was bad at the beginning. It was more in the middle that I sort of was losing it, like when the two bikers show up sort of out of the blue to come and rape Alita. And then, you know, you think that he's about to go and rape her, and it's troubling and upsetting. And then he just sort of, like, takes a walk. Christopher, and after cutting her shirt off and getting slapped a bit, kind of goes and takes a walk and sits down, and she kind of pursues him. And that was unpleasant because it was either saying that like oh well you know she wanted it or it was just like well he's, he's an intriguing fellow this uh, this biker who comes up you know cuts off your shirt and returns your slaps a little bit you know you'd, you'd probably want to get to know him a little bit better uh <laughs> yeah it was just that whole part was both confusing and felt like it was inherently going to be unrewarding if i unlocked whatever code he was trying to put down I have to agree, I really hated that scene, actually, and it's not just because I'm adverse to rape scenes in general. I, uh... Not one of those. I really, really hated that scene, because it, it really seemed like, as soon as he started kind of meandering off, it didn't even really seem like he was expecting her to follow him, and she was kind of hesitant about it. It seemed like she really could have run at that point, and I just think that... Ugh, it just bothered me so much when she just went up and they like started she almost leaned in for the kiss and it was it was just yeah. infuriating. See I this is why say. you should this is why you shouldn't watch Straw Dogs. Okay, you've had your fun. I'll give you one more chance. And if you don't clear out now, there'll be real trouble. I will not allow violence against this house. Sam Peckinpah, who uncaged the Wild Bunch, now unleashes Dustin Hoffman in Straw Dogs. Uh, <laughs> Sean. Yeah, well, I think the concept there is I think she's aware of the fact that Benny is with the other guy, and that other guy has a gun, too. So I think she's playing along to make this go over as quick as possible and give this guy what she wants. But that's a scene that overstays its welcome, and, you know, I feel like... 
a lot of the slow bits in this movie, and there were quite a bit, didn't really accomplish that much. I feel like in the beginning they're establishing the chemistry of this relationship, which I did enjoy for a bit. But at the end, there's only like, I feel like 40 minutes worth of movie in this actual film. And uh, there's some good stuff there, but a lot of it is not as atmospheric as I would have liked, or not as centered and dramatic as I would have liked for it to hold my attention. You two guys are definitely on my shit list. And now it's time for this week's edition of Forgettable Villains from Forgettable Films. Give me a name. Fuck you! That's my name! <laughs> Dumpy Joe. Agent Smith. Frau Blucher. Kaiser Soze. Illinois Nazis. Rocco. Mad Dog. Mother. Kittredge. Wanda. Willow. Wilbur! You can call me Susan if it makes you happy. From Screwed. Chip Oswald. <laughs> you may remember Screwed. It was a comedy bringing together Norm MacDonald and Dave Chappelle as two uh, average Joes who uh, try to engineer a kidnapping for a rich old woman's dog for ransom. But it all goes wrong and they don't get the money and it's crazy hijinks. And at the end it turns out her business partner Chip Oswald was uh, behind everything. Who plays Chip Oswald? Uh, one of the Jeffersons, the guy. Oh yeah, no, you're right. The main guy? Yeah. Finally, this is the guy! Sherman Helmsley! Mr. Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, Danny DeVito's in that movie, too. He is. He plays uh, a character named Grover Cleaver. He's a mortician. He's a back box full of stuff he's found inside people. That's true. That's true. We've got a lot of Screwed fans here. I'm surprised. <laughs> I was a forgettable villain. Not so forgettable a film. I love Norman McDonald and Dave Chappelle, but Screwed was terrible. Yeah, I was like, really excited awful. for it. I saw it. It was just, it was just shit. That's true. Hey, Mister, what's in the suitcase? Get away from me. Hey, Mister, what's in the suitcase? Hand it over. Get away from me, you little shit. Hey, Mister, what's in the suitcase? Show us some respect. Mister, what's in the suitcase? Hand it over. Mister, what's in the suitcase? I don't like your attitude. Ah, take a hike. Zap him. That's There's true. one good joke surrounding Dave Chappelle always hitting people with lamps. Yeah, that is, <laughs> that is good. Yeah. That's actually the ultimate downfall of Chip Oswald, is Dave Chappelle knocks him unconscious with a lava lamp. Because uh, <laughs> he's nervous. Yeah, he is nervous. <laughs> he, he panics, that's what he yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I panic! <laughs> I'm sympathetic to your complaints about that scene. I, I do mean literally that that is something that is similar but infinitely worse in Straw Dogs. Because of the experience of watching Straw Dogs, any sort of subtext regarding rape in a Peckinpah movie is something I have sort of an immediate alert to, because the subtext of that is kind of repellent. But I think that pragmatically, it is weird that he walks away and she follows him, but at the same time... There is sort of a practical reality where she might think that she still has to because they do both have guns. I mean, you're right that she could run off, but then that could very easily lead to them killing Benny or the other guy killing her because she can really only account for the behavior of one of them. But yes, I do entirely understand your, your trepidation. I agree with you guys to a certain extent. It's just those are sort of the reasons that I, I like the scene. It's really potent and it just really grabs me because it was just so disgusting. And it dragged on, but there was that tension. The first time I saw it, I was just glued to the screen during that part because I did not know what was going to happen next. And as far as the subtext, 
I don't think you can draw a really hard and fast statement from what the scene was trying to say. I always like aspects of Sam Peckinpah's film, but I really feel like that guy has some screwed up views on women and rape and, and, and what consent is. Because in both of the movies I've seen of his, there has been a very clear rape scene where a woman has also partially consented to it, which is incredibly disturbing. I don't know why he would have these two very similar scenes in both of the movies of his that I've seen. I feel like in Straw Dogs, you definitely know that's what's happening. And I'm still not entirely sure I definitely know that's what's happening in this movie. I feel like, especially just because it actually happens in Straw Dogs, and it's so unpleasant to watch her be raped in addition to everything else, you get a much greater sense of the brutality of it. Yeah, and for me, I don't see the way the characters behave as outside the realm of human possibility. I think... um, People have very shocking reactions, reactions that would shock themselves even if they were to reflect on them or think on them in dire situations. And to me, that seems to be what the film is getting at, capturing that sort of aspect of our nature that we don't really address or we can't really think about with all honesty when we're just sort of sitting comfortably in a room, when we're not actually in that dire situation. I want to talk about their relationship, specifically Benny, the main character, and Alita. Because it's odd, at first it seems like she's a hooker that he frequents, was, was what I the initial impression I got. And then it seemed like there was more, and you know she sort of comes to him after she knows that Alfredo Garcia is dead. And she's clearly very upset about that, she clearly loved him, but she comes and sleeps with Benny. And it seems like maybe she's just trying to latch on to somebody else strong, is the impression I get. And then he wakes up and she's giving him crabs and he sort of doesn't give her shit about that. And that's sort of a weird thing. It's a very odd offbeat to the point of there almost being no beat uh, relationship. But I did find myself enjoying it. I definitely agree with what Brian said earlier that the whole movie I was very much glued to. I was very intrigued about everything that was happening, even though I didn't feel like I understood it. And I was always sort of on the edge of saying, well, they don't even understand what's going on. I did enjoy their relationship, you know, as you sort of saw more and more that he did really seem to love her, even though he clearly had plenty of issues with her specifically and and probably with women in general. I'll just say right off the bat, I'm actually a big fan of, of the romance in the movie. I feel like it really does capture two people who are in the twilight of their lives, who are no longer young, no longer beautiful, no longer useful to the world, but they just only have each other. I just felt like they captured that romantic notion really, really well, and that's what what makes the hit so hard when, like, his sort of greed kills her. It's very difficult. Hello, my children. It's time for a reading from the book of Wikipedia. Apparently the screenwriter came to Sam Peckinpah with the idea and title for the movie, and it was called Bring Me the Head of Somebody, but not Alfredo Garcia, and said, so there's this guy who has to get a head, but the guy's already dead, the guy whose head he needs. And he was like, that's a great idea for a movie, and that was, uh, that was the genesis of this. <laughs> uh, that and alcohol. Sure. <laughs> Apparently in Variety uh, at the time, Sam Peckinpah said, For me, Hollywood no longer exists. It's past history. I've decided to stay in Mexico because I believe I can make my pictures with greater freedom here. The motion picture and television unions openly censured him for this and threatened the, the movie with union boycotts for, uh, for saying that. Because uh, he used an all-Mexican crew, and pretty much, uh, and so weren't too thrilled with that. If you're lucky enough to do 
for a living what you like, and then to have the thing shut off is what happened with Sam. He was totally creative, crazy, but he was creative, and now it's gone. I was blackballed. I was put down because I talked about people who were dishonest, who cheated, who lied, who stole. I do believe in justice in a man's word. So when it's broken, I have a tendency to stand up and be counted and fight. Also, uh, you know, in addition to the rape scene in this and the rape scene in Straw Dogs, the guy who directed A Boy and His Dog has been in several Sam Peckinpah movies. He's, he's mostly an actor. <laughs> so, clearly, uh, that's what he learned from uh, his time on the set. And uh, on release, it, it was not well-liked, though now it is generally well-liked, but uh, some notable critics think of it as one of the worst movies ever made, and Roger Ebert, for example, thinks it's, uh, it's one of the best. It's a very divisive movie, even, on, even among professional, professionals like us. <laughs> <laughs> so there you have it, Wikipedia. Not always right. Not always wrong. <laughs> it's so true. <laughs> I wanted to say, Chris, at the beginning you said that there are two people who felt like they had nothing to lose. But he's, you know, a piano player in a bar. That's not that's such a bad thing to be, and that's not even a bad skill to have if you wanted to do something else. But he clearly hates it, and it's clearly <laughs> yeah. the sort of job where he's just going to be dead-ended there for the rest of his life. I feel like, especially because they, in the dialogue, they refer to it pretty explicitly, it is sort of a story of only one way out. Get this <laughs> cash and get out of this life. And that's a very sort of familiar story. I just don't think it's always told in quite such a desperate and twisted fashion, and that really appeals to me. Uh... But um, I do kind of agree with what Kevin is saying, basically, that he doesn't seem that desperate, and also the reward doesn't seem that great. So it kind of seems there's a bit of far-fetchedness to it in the beginning, or... I don't know, there's not like a, really for me, there's not a lot, a lot of drama to this movie. Like when she's dead in the middle, it's like, oh, she's dead. The characters, because of their actions, are so distant from me. There's not like a lot of relatability, I guess I would say. I mean, I, I don't know how everyone else feels. The guy doesn't feel super relatable. He's enjoyable in a certain sense because of his attitude towards things, but that doesn't travel very far because they don't do that much, and then there's a rape scene that shows up, and then it's just like, ugh. Alright, and then you just, you're bored for a little while, and then she dies, and then he gets the head back, and then he goes crazy, and then he kills a bunch of people, and it's over. Uh, all, all, you've really, all you've really done is summarize the movie in sort of a negative tone. <laughs> I don't, dis I don't, I really, I really think, maybe this is a difference in terms of how I view these things. I think he is very desperate in the context of him having this job he doesn't really seem to like in this place that he very clearly doesn't like, that he complains is just this fucking tourist trap, I think is what he calls mm -hmm. it. The idea that this is what his life will be forever unless he's able to impact some change. Yeah, I, I I attribute it to subtlety on the part of the actor, Warren Oates. I feel like he did a very good job. But to me, when I saw him acting, it just seemed like in every line he performed, he has been miserable for the past 20 years. Like, it, it felt like there could be six or eight movies of bad things happening to this guy prior to this movie. It felt like he had had a very, very difficult life. And that was, for me, what made me believe him to be so desperate. 
Yeah, it's funny because usually when you think of desperate men, you don't think that they're leading lives of quiet desperation. That's what I feel like his problem is, is he's like, oh God, I'm just stuck in this job. It's going nowhere. I've had some bad times. and But, you know, really, he makes enough money that he can buy some drinks. And even when he's having a good time, that's all he does is drink some more. And so he's like, oh, I'm going to get $10,000 worth of more drinks. But, you know, he's doing okay in terms of drinks. Like, we don't get a sense of what he wants beyond general, you know, it, there's no destination. Yeah, I would really, really agree that we do not know what the character wants. Definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Sean Sterling is a man out of step with his time. A man who believes in an ultimate good. The best of all possible things. To find it, he's fated to forever ask. Which is better? Which is better? Okay, Chris, it's time to play Which is Better. All it's right. going to be Prop Edition. you got to tell me which prop is better in which movie. Okay. All right, which is better, the head yeah. of Alfredo Garcia or Wilson in Castaway? <laughs> the head. Which is better, the head in Alfredo Garcia or Jafar's snake staff in Aladdin? The head. Okay, which is better, the head in Alfredo Garcia or the ring in Lord of the Rings? The head. Oh. <laughs> which is which is better, the head of Alfredo Garcia in Alfredo Garcia, or the Stargate in Stargate? <laughs> the head. Which is, which is better, the head in Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, or the ooze in the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies? The head. Which is the better, head, the head sweeps. <laughs> which is better, the ooze in the first two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movies, or Jafar's snake staff? Jafar's snake staff. Which is better, Jafar's snake staff, or Darth Maul's double-bladed lightsaber <laughs> in Phantom Menace? Jafar's snake staff. Which is better, Jafar's snake staff or the whip in Indiana Jones? <laughs> the whip in Indiana Jones. Which is better, the whip in Indiana Jones or Wilson from Castaway? The whip in Indiana Jones. <laughs> Which is better, Darth Maul's double-bladed lightsaber in The Phantom Menace or the robot that is attacking RoboCop at various points in the movie, the big one they think is going to replace RoboCop? I guess that one, the robot, the first RoboCop. Right. Good. I take issue with many of these things being referred to as props. <laughs> For example, Jafar's snake staff does not exist, so it's not a prop. It's you a wouldn't, prop. you wouldn't give it to the props master. <laughs> For example, the head being better than the ring—that's ridiculous. Well, there's that. It's not better than Wilson too, which is the ultimate Well, uh, Benny and Alita are going to try to find the body to retrieve the head to take back. And, uh, as Benny is about to sever the head after digging it up, he is struck with a shovel. And there's a shovel wielded by one of two very sort of cumbersome and incompetent villains who uh, happen to turn up on the scene. I really love those characters because they are not good villains. They're clearly, like, grossly incompetent. Everyone in this movie, while they're driving, is just constantly lifting up big bottles of tequila and, and sucking it down. He almost gets them killed in sort of a drunk driving accident early in the movie. And it feels like just sheer happenstance that, like, they have it together enough to knock him unconscious and steal the head, even for a moment. And I do like that because I like sort of, uh... Evil is rewarded through happenstance and by accident. It feels more emotionally sort of like, ah, 
this was kind of the part of the movie where I started to have an active interest in it because it really seemed like, oh, okay, this is where the movie's going now. And at times it surprised me, too, because when he first... Um, after he's retrieved the head and has met up with the two guys who were initially talking to him in the bar. And I thought at that point, okay, he's just gonna take the money and go. And it actually really was a pleasant surprise when this is where the, it shifted and you could see that he was no longer in it for the money and he was in it for avenging the death of his fiance. That's actually the first kind of part where I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, all right. You know, like I still don't find this character that relatable but now I can see, okay, here's the desperation. Here's his mo motivation, basically. And that was sort of lacking for me throughout a lot of the rest of the movie. He does become sort of an unstoppable, godlike uh, fighting force after his fiance is killed. It seems like, I think they make reference to him being in the military at yeah, some point. Army. Yeah, it, well, it seems like he was all he could be as a, as a marksman. Yeah. Oh, only because of cheesy 70s cutting where all the bad guys, of course, miss and they keep on shooting while the, <laughs> while the main guy's hiding behind a car and run out of ammo, and then the main guy pops up and kills the bad guys. I feel guys. like, by and large, like sort of way they present the way he they present him sort of getting in position to like be in an advantageous position to fight was more than I not more than I expected. I, I liked that, I guess. I like that he deliberately sort of meanders over to a position in their office at the end where he has a shot on anyone who approaches him. He goes up against the wall so that everyone is to one side of him. Mm -hmm. And that's that's a very subtle thing that I noticed this time that I liked a lot. And he's just getting good there to get paid. And so he He's, he keeps doing it in situations where no one's expecting him to start shooting them. Because he's just there, he brought a head, you know, they yeah. patted him down, all, all should be well, as far as they're concerned. You are entirely right about the final sequence, though, <laughs> where he, where he yeah. just guns everyone down. <laughs> yeah. But that is sort of the, uh, sort of the John Woo-style explosion <laughs> <laughs> at the end. He kind of like six guys, he guns down six guys before they shoot him. Still, can't, uh, can't dodge the machine guns when your uh, car is being run off the road, it seems. Yeah, let's talk about the ending. I am a, a big fan of the ending. You can, really can't find a, a starker contrast than the beginning and ending of this film. The beginning is <laughs> sort of the placid lake scene with swans. The end is him getting uh, riddled with bullets, uh, riddled with like 15 different machine guns. And uh, the last final shot is a, of a gun barrel. I didn't really like the ending. I, I found there was no drama or tension there for me. Either he was going to plow through the gates and they were going to shoot at him and he was going to live or he was going to die. And either way, the shots were going to be exactly the same, I felt like. Yeah, I kind of liked it. It was kind of okay, but I felt like more like, oh, well, it's over. <laughs> like, yeah. this is... I did like the, you know, the, the ending of the gun barrel and I felt like all that action stuff leading up to it was actually well shot. But at the end, it's like, well... Yeah, either he lives or he dies, and it doesn't really, like, change that much either way, I felt like, the, my feeling towards the actual film. And he dies, and it's just sort of like, well, so what, I guess, is sort of my feeling of it. I think he was, at that point, he had been so triumphant that it was sort of a, a surprise that he failed. Where up until then, you were so sure he was going to fail at each point. Each thing seemed like it was, <laughs> he was in over his head and could not possibly escape. You know, when he first came in to the cool 70s bad guy office and gunned everybody down, I'm sure, I was sure he was going to die there. And then it was like, no, he actually, uh, 
He gets a card that tells him where to go. A guy reaching for a card gets shot because it looks like he's grabbing for his gun. And uh, he might have just given it to him the way that he had it really ready. It seems like he could have just been like, oh, yeah, no, yeah, I'm working for this guy. Maybe he was meaning to reach for his gun, but instead he reached for the crucial piece of information he didn't want to give him. No, he he said it out loud. He says it out loud, yeah. What did he say? This is the thing for the guy. (laughs) It's the one you want. This is exactly what you're looking for. Tell me what the hit of Alfredo Garcia's worth. And to who can Brenda? This is the man who paid. Um, I actually, uh, I actually liked the ending. I felt like that's really the only place it could have gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he could have lived, but I feel like it was better that he died. That he went down in a blaze of guns and glory and... <laughs> I don't know, it just felt like as soon as he got up, found out that his fiance was dead, this is where the movie was going to go. Because <laughs> it, it just seemed like this madness where he was talking to the head and gunning down everyone, just this is where it was leading. I like the ending quite a bit. I like especially that he clearly has not resigned himself to die. Like, it seems like at one point he's walking out with the head, but he leaves, like, all the money on the table, but then he, like, stops and, like, goes back and grabs the money. So it's clear that he has not decided that he is going to die. He he would very much like to escape and go to Costa Rica or wherever. That character does have one of my favorite ever lines of sort of angry dismissal of a lesser character, which is when he scares the people off that are near the graveyard right after his fiance dies. He says, uh, looking at me with your your fucking eyes. How about that line where he goes up to the already dead body of one of the really terrible <laughs> villains and feels. shoots him? Yeah. Why? Because it feels so <laughs> goddamn that's true. I feel like his unraveling and his descent into madness is really where that where Warren Oates' performance shines. Yeah, well, where if you're uh, going to talk to a dead head, you might as well talk to dead bodies, too. No, no kidding. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Truly Trivial Trivia Challenge. All right, all right. So, let's see who's today's trivia master. What was the movie's production company? Consensual Rate Productions. United Metro Artists. Golden, Metro Golden Mayor? That was correct, Chris. It was United Artists. That was incorrect, Connor. <laughs> <laughs> incorrect. Very incorrect. And okay. Disgusting. So, one of the two evil white men gives his name. Do you guys remember? Dobbs. Uh, that is Greg correct. Dobbs. Greg C. Dobbs. Uh, I thought he said Red C. Dobbs. I thought he was like... <laughs> Red C. <laughs> Does anyone remember what was the town that the woman wanted to vi- revisit? Guanajuato. That is correct. I, I wrote down Guanajuato, and that is pretty much... Sounds exactly the same. I've been there. That's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I am wrong. What does the main character, Benny, say right before he kills the character played by Chris Christopherson? You're dead. You're dead, too. Yes. He says, hey, you're dead. And then he shoots him. All right. So when Greg C. Dobbs finally gets to see the head, he says, what line? That's a head. Uh, something about the smell. It's called... Smell- Sure have a nose for shit. Ah, yeah. That's what he said. Yes. I was going to say that. Give me the point. Damn. <laughs> I was going to say that. No. All right. We are in a tie Ooh. here between Chris and Katie. Woohoo. You got to bust out the tiebreaker. Yes. The way, the way this tie... Thank you. <laughs> All right. The way we're going to do this is the lightning round. All right. First one to get correct wins. If you are incorrect, you cannot answer. Okay. Okay. 
One of the evil white guy characters elbows a woman in the face. Then the protagonist says what? Um, he starts... As a long awkward You guys pause. like baseball? That is correct. How do you guys like baseball? I like basketball oh, okay. myself. That's Bastard how you cut game. the tension after a man elbows a woman in the face. <laughs> well, that was a contentious Chris fight. Just added a contentious a fight. Yes. Title. Chris is yet again adds another one onto the pile. Uh, Katie, yeah. obviously a, a tough contender. Maybe next week she will uh, dethrone uh, Connor. You lost. Well, let's see what happens next week on the Truly Trivial Trivia Challenge. So, everybody, we're going to wrap things up. Brian, would you please enlighten us with your final thoughts on Bring Me the Head? Of Alfredo Garcia. I think it's a great film. I think if you hear that title, Bring Me the Head of Alfredo Garcia, and want to see that movie, you will you will be <laughs> quite happy with what you get. It's certainly a challenging movie. It's very confusing at certain points, but there's too much novelty, there's too much uniqueness there in such a compelling and interesting story for me, and such a an interesting setting. I mean, this was really, for Sam Peckinpah, a film where, in his career, he was really just starting to go downhill. He was just at the point where Hollywood was turning its back on him and he could no longer work there essentially. And he decided to go out to the Mexico and make this crazy film. And I feel like it has a lot of character and it stands out. Alright, Connor? I love the title of this film. I was very intrigued by the premise of this film, but this is not a good movie. It takes way too long getting where it's going. I would only recommend this movie if you enjoy watching a character drive to a graveyard for an hour. <laughs> Uh, Katie? I, uh, I didn't really like it that much. I didn't find it too enthralling, and I thought that the continuity was a little bit disconnected, and it, and it suffered from that, although I did appreciate the ending. Alright, Kevin Workheiser? Yeah, I liked it. There were things I didn't like about it. It was something of a curate's egg, if you know the term. There were some really, really good parts that I, I liked a lot. Overall, I would say that I liked it, but um, there were enough moments and relationships and characters that I did have issues with. It kind of reminded me of The Warriors. There's a lot that's really good, in it, and then there's like a big section in the middle that I'm not too fond of. And uh, leading us out, Sean Sterling. Well, this movie is okay. I would not recommend it to people because it is pretty boring and really things that are good about it I think you could probably see better in other movies. Um, five out of ten. Go see Green Lantern instead. <laughs> oh god, don't do that. Don't, please, please, a anyone who is listening, ignore what he just said. Uh, please do that. And I, your host, Chris Tognati, really liked this movie. It was a very fulfilling experience to finally watch it again. I was pleased to either uh, share or inflict it on all of you based on what your uh, opinion ended up being. But, uh, yeah, actually, the only two people who'd seen it before still like it, and everyone else is gonna hop on it. But I would recommend it. I think it is worth seeing. I'll recommend it to each and every one of my friends not already in this room. All right. With that, I want to thank you all for Brian, Connor, Katie, Kevin, and Sean. I am Chris, and this has been another episode of the Moving Pictures Podcast. We'll see you next week.
What does Benny say? What does he tell the kid is in the sack and not that's not a cat. cat? That is correct, Connor. Yes. He says it's a cat, a good cat. Used to belong to a friend of mine. I haven't gotten a point in three trivia challenges. <laughs> there you go, you just got one. I'm going to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> Your point will be lost, but nothing missed.